Whining is something that's passed on. If you recognize it early on, I think you can, it's easier to extinguish it. Right, guys, welcome back. Another episode of our podcast here. We're gonna, um, I'm gonna jump right into it. This is a message from Facebook, actually, and I'm way behind on Facebook. I've been doing a halfway decent job of keeping up on Instagram messaging, um, emails, pretty good. I'm, I'm maybe a week or a little over a week out. Um, went on a total um, marathon or binge. Uh, response mode to Instagram and I did about 50 of them one night um, so I, I am doing my best to try to keep up again I always appreciate your patience with it so Facebook I'm a month behind so there's probably 75 maybe messages that I'm trying to work on getting back to some of them aren't nearly going to be as long but um, Facebook was not it was just one that slipped on me a little bit so let's jump into it here I, this is a, a good one um, I think, I think it's one that people will be able to relate to a lot. And it's something that I'm working on. So I'm gonna use a specific example. Uh, actually comes from a, a follower on Facebook from Sweden, um, Ivan. And so um, there was a translation involved with it, um, copy, paste, translate, how do you speak Swedish? And got her message kind of translated. So. I'm going to read it through. I'm going to give you my thoughts on it specifically, and then I'm going to talk a little bit more about it in general um, because I think it can be applied. Uh, the idea is is um, kind of a, a across the board. Like I think it can be applied in a lot of scenarios, and it it comes back to a common theme that I oftentimes talk about. But so let's start out. It's, her name is Yvonne. It says hello. My name is Yvonne from Sweden. I have three Labradors. My youngest is one year. He has, he, and a little bit broken English here, but um, I'll explain it why. So I'm just going to read it how she wrote it. He have some noise when other dogs work. Can you give me some tips? What should I do? I look at your films on YouTube and I like it. Best regards, Yvonne. So I said, hey, Yvonne, thanks for the message and support. I'm a little confused by the question. I'm If I'm reading it right, your puppy is a little noisy when working with other dogs. She responded, yes, uh, but mostly when other dogs when other dogs are working and he should just be waiting. I responded, I said, I think it comes down to building patience in general. That's what we're going to be talking about here today. Uh, I said, that might mean more denials uh, for retrievers re um, and rewarding that quiet, calm, steady behavior with the retrieve. By that, I mean denials. A lot of times, you know, we did a um, some workshop videos. The guys edited up, edited up some workshop videos. I think some of them went to TikTok um, might have been migrated to, to Instagram a little bit, but um, we talk about the idea of, I don't think many people struggle with dogs getting excited about things like retrieving if they're retrievers, getting excited about hunting if they're hunting dogs. Um, I hear people talk about it all the time with drive, 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 and I just think that, um, I think we worry about it way, way more inappropriately. So let me keep going here. I said, my dogs usually pick up about one out of 10 dummies thrown. I'll throw them and then either pick them up myself or let other dogs pick them up. It's a natural extension of simple steadiness. I start out all the time. I started out 
at feeding times when they're early on in training, my dogs have to learn to sit and be quiet and wait patiently as the food gets ready. And eventually we reward the behavior by letting them eat. Have you had a chance to check out any of our training videos and our puppy video? For instance, we use this with several puppies. It helps build that patience for both dogs in the field as well as pet dogs. She says, thanks for your answer. I'm not so good in English. So I wrote it in Swedish and you can translate it. So, Jaghar Vortzik Medibidi. No, I'm not going to read it, but that's how it read to me. So I took that, I copied it. It's about a paragraph. I copied it, I pasted it, and here's what I came up with in translation. Uh, it says, I have been careful with him because he is a high-intensity individual. He's very good at the retrieve him itself. I throw a lot of dummies and pick up most of them myself. He beeps if he has to sit and wait when other dogs get to pick up. When he is to receive a mark, I often put a line back and he must pick up before he can pick up the mark. Then there may be a start call when I send him. He can certainly be a good and good retriever as long as I keep him quiet. So that was the direct translation. I think there's a little bit of a um, misinterpretation probably when it comes to the translation, but it sounds like she is doing some denials. So no, I don't know that it necessarily is a steadiness thing. It doesn't sound like it's a steadiness thing. It sounds like it's simply quiet. Um, whining in general, and I think she calls it um, beeping. So I'm assuming beeping maybe is a mistranslation for whining. But um, I think that's a couple things. And I had another message about a dog that was real vocal. Uh, it was a Dalmatian, um, and it was sitting on a bed, if I recall. Uh, the woman, the gal had it on place, and it was really whining. She says, what do I do about this whining? And I said, I, talk, I, I do think that whining can be a variety of things. It can be dis discomfort. Like, dog might have to go to the bathroom. I missed that once with Makina. Early, early on, she was antsy. She was whining. I was probably short and with her and frustrated. And my wife was in the room with me. My whole family was in the room. And she's fussing and whining and fussing and whining. And finally, I just went, enough already. And I kind of jumped on her verbally. And she settled in for about probably 30 seconds, maybe a minute. She was quiet. And then all of a sudden, I look and she's peeing on her bed. And I just... I was more embarrassed than she was. And so I let her out and I washed her bed off and I told my wife, I'm like, see, I have to pay attention to the details better. So that was a clear sign that whininess was connected to, I knew what it was connected to. She had to go to the bathroom. She also whines quite a bit on, specifically Makina, whines quite a bit on her place. She's antsy. Um, I walk and so I'm not even going to get into it. I'll, I'll tell you in a second here, but so I run into it. I understand that it's there, but I think whining can be genetic as well. I think that whining is something that's passed on. Uh, noisy dogs are have noisy puppies. Typically it is a genetic thing. Can you change it? I think you can, I think you can curb it a little bit. I don't know that you can get rid of it. I don't think it's something that doesn't get passed on. I think if the dog has it, they likely pass it on. So it's a part of selective breeding. I, I totally believe that. Um, I think you can, if you recognize it early on, I think you can, it's easier to kind of extinguish it to a degree or at least dampen it. Um, I, it, it's a variety, it's timing, it's firmness, and they're all variables. So like, the timing I don't think is a variable. It has to be sharp, just like all corrections have to be sharp. 
a little whack on the, I've used my hat in a blind and the dog's whining. I smack him on the nose with the hat. Enough. That's enough. Some dogs, that's more than enough. Some dogs, you can hit them with a two by four and they don't, you know, they're not going to miss a beat. So it is very um, situational, but I think you can get on it early enough and start to work that out. I also think that from a correcting standpoint, but that's just treating the symptoms. And I, I don't like necessarily treating symptoms. I like to avoid the disease altogether. So the genetic part, you can't avoid it. It's there already. But I do think that you can start to, to move away from situations that fuel that inherent trait of whining. And so how do you do that? I think you teach patience from the start. So I do think that we let me keep going on my question. So then she, so then I responded, I, th I said, I think it sounds like a very common issue that folks have, especially with Labradors over the last 10 to 15 years here in the States, drive. So this is, I went a little bit different direction with it because I read her story more like she, her dog's got a lot of drive and a lot of excitement with it. I said, quote unquote, drive is something that we seem to really like when it comes to breeding. And I think drive is nice as long as it isn't excessive. Depending on what we ultimately plan to do with the dogs in the field, too much drive can cause a lot of unnecessary frustration as a handler and a dog owner. I think slowing down is the key. I find that my dogs feed off of our energy and around them. If we live a fast-paced life, so do they. Unfortunately, fast-paced life has become the norm. I make the point of using my dogs to force myself to slow down. A perfect example is this morning, a little setter pup that I'm training she showed me that she shows me that she wants to go all the time and that's simply not what I want her doing. In the field, I don't think I will have any issues with her hunt drive, but 95% of the time we're not hunting. I need her to be more patient in those situations. That's where I find myself recognizing that I need to slow down every time I'm around her. She needs to understand that things are going to happen slowly. She cannot dictate the next action based on her behavior. I make her wait for everything. I also slow myself down with everything I do around her. I walk past her on her place. She jumps up in anticipation and wants to go somewhere or do something. In that moment, I stop until she settles back down. I slowly then move on to whatever it is I was doing. Over time, she has begun to realize that the littlest movement doesn't mean we're going to change the situation and do something exciting. It takes time and a lot of repetition, but eventually the dog thinks that this is what normal is. Go slow and be patient. So then I, she responded back, thanks for that answer. Very healthy thoughts. I like to think every day. I like that you think about every day and not just in retriever training. I'll think about what you said. Thanks again. Here's my dog. So I think to build off of that, I see way too often, and this is this is a Makina story because, you know, pointing dog. I hear people talk about their dogs in the field, in the field, in the field. Style, real important. Um, covering ground, real important. Uh, the way they move, real important. All athletically connected, all connected to like the physical parts of the dog. What I don't see nearly spoken about, and, and that's when you start talking about people, when you ask people, how is their dog? That's that's where the story always goes. That's where the, that's where the, I feel like that's where the measurement is made and do I have a good dog or not? I think that that leads to us and when I say us, I don't mean professional dog trainers. 
that are training lots of dogs. I mean like the person like you or I that's training one, two, three dogs, maybe at a time. Like I'm only, I mean, in theory right now, I've got my three old dogs and then I've got Makina and then we're going to have a puppy here that we're going to be training. So I'll probably have more dogs than most of you listening are going to be having. But I, I, I feel like one thing I do is I train them very individualized. They're very much like anyone else's family dog living in the house with them. So we can probably relate um, a lot more. I can probably relate a lot more with the everyday average dog owner. So that's good. And I like that. Um, and I train specifically for that purpose and reason. Like that's, that's real for me. So what I think is important is to understand that when people talk to me about training my dogs, my focus is not on figuring out how quickly I can get them retrieving and picking up birds and flushing and pointing and marking and lining and handling. Those are not like my highest priorities. And the reason is, is because when I start out with young dogs, we don't do that for quite a while. And the reason I don't do that for quite a while is because I have to build the foundation first in order to do it. The other reason is I have to build the foundation because without it, I don't want the dog in my house. So I've got, I turn around and I can see four to Ellie enough. Now Ellie, I think here's a car maybe in the driveway and she gets a little defensive. That's one of her things enough. So what has to happen with her is she has to, I don't mind that Steph likes it. I don't mind it as long as I can say that's enough and she's quiet, which she's settling back in a little bit right now. She hears her pups, her pups are in the other room, a little bit antsy. And I think that might've been what got her up in the first place. But I want dogs that can lay in my house, three out of the four are on a bed and surprise laying on the rug by the fireplace. That's what my dogs have to do. When I get up and I walk over to the bathroom or the kitchen or outside or to check on the puppies. I don't want dogs jumping up and running around. I don't want dogs um, tearing about my house. I don't want to leave my dogs and hope that the couch doesn't get wrecked or the stuff doesn't. My dogs don't sit in four by six kennels. They don't sit in eight by eights. I don't care what type of setup you have from like a kennel standpoint, my dogs don't just stay in the, in an enclosure like that. And I'm not against people that do it that way, especially trainers. Like, um, I understand when you have 30 dogs, that is the way you probably got to do it. And I think that to train 30 dogs isn't realistic to do it the way we do it. It's not, I understand that. But if you have one dog at home, it's very realistic to do it. And you're probably going to be doing it the way I do it. So that training allows for, maybe is the word, or requires a different approach. So when it comes to the idea of the drive in a dog, we I don't th know that we give credit to how good dogs are. Like, how much is instinctual, how much is in them. So a dog that, this this little puppy that I bought from Northwoods Bird Dogs, it comes from really good genetics. I mean, I've studied them. I know they have 
historical value from like a titling standpoint and a field trialing standpoint and grouse trialing standpoints and all this stuff. And I don't necessarily know all the intricacies of that because it's not necessarily my focus, but I do want to have some inherent traits that make my hunting aspirations easier. So I do think I bought a pretty particular dog with, after doing enough homework to realize, I think it's a good fit for me. Can they do the field stuff? Yes. But can they do the house stuff? Yes. Can most dogs do the house stuff? I think so. Can, but can they do the house stuff and the hunting stuff without like developing it? No, I don't think so. I think you have to develop it. And I think what we overlook is we overlook the part of it that isn't hunting related more so than the part that is hunting related. Nobody flinches about the idea of building drive in a dog. I think most dogs have more drive than we can handle, than, than the average person can handle. So what does that mean? Well, you don't work on the things you're really strong on as much as the things that you're weak on when it comes to being well-balanced. And so I think the key to slowing down, if you are listening to this and you are saying, my dog has more energy than is for its own good at times, then I think the key is slow things down. Because my dogs have a lot of energy. My dogs have a lot, have plenty of excitement inside of them. When I unleash them and, and release them, and when I say unleash, I mean it figuratively. If I release them into the idea of hunting mode, go to the field, let's go get something done. I need to ask something of them that's going to demand something physical and athletic. I am never, I've never been disappointed by their athletic ability, ever. I also work really hard to ensure that when I take them to a, a, a friend's cabin, so not last weekend, but the weekend before I went up north, um, I brought Makina. Makina was 13 weeks at the time. I brought her to a friend's place. There was seven or eight of us. We had a, a guy's weekend up in the Northwoods. And I brought the puppy and I brought her place bed and I brought her crate. And I knew we were going to be, I wasn't going to be doing any dog training that weekend, but I had her with me and Wonder Boy actually dog sat our house with our older dogs. And I brought the puppy because I knew the puppy was going to be a little challenging more so than anything. So I brought her with, I had her bed in the living room of my buddy's cabin. I had her crate in the other room at the cabin. And we were there all day, Saturday, all night, Friday night, and Sunday morning. And I can't tell you, now 13 weeks old, she was on place. She went outside, went to the bathroom. She came in, she ate, she drank, she did her business. She crated at night and slept quietly. And I think I, so nothing, we did nothing hunting wise. We did nothing in the field. And this was a room full of hunters, guys that hunt, guys that have hunting dogs. And I, I bet you I got, yeah, I don't know how many times it was said, I can't believe that puppy. I can't believe that puppy. Man, that, that's the best puppy I've ever seen. I can't believe that puppy. And I thought she did very well. I thought, don't get me wrong, I thought she did great. But all we did was live with her. And she did so well. She blew people's minds with her behavior because they said, I can't believe you can have a puppy like that, that calm and that quiet and that willing to just be there with us. Now, 
I'll be the first person to say that she, being a setter, is a little different than the Labrador, um, personality-wise. But it's maybe taken me a little bit more attention and focus to get her what she's doing right now in some respects. But in other respects, I think it's been easier than some of the Labradors that I've trained and owned. But I'm telling you right now, her culture, her, her, her surrounding, the life that she's living and the things that she's seeing is she's starting to learn to understand, to slow down. Things aren't going to always happen fast. Things aren't going to always be exciting. I'm going to have to tough it out when I really want to go do something else. I can't just sit there and be annoying and whine and bark. She tried all that. Trust me, she tried it. She barked at me the first couple of days that she was here. She very quickly learned it's unacceptable. It's because I didn't laugh at it and think it was cute when she was eight weeks old. I didn't encourage it. I discouraged it. But I didn't discourage it and beat the hell out of her either. Like she trusts me. She's become so much more trusting of me in the last couple of weeks. So this comes back to this idea of like, it's a relationship thing with your dog. Most underrated part of handling dogs is I think the relationship part, the trust part. We all, so I'm going back, when I go back to Yvonne's message, in the beginning, it was all about, you know, she, the dog is noisy, working with other dogs in group settings, especially when there's retrieving going on. So what, how do you change that? Now, the good part is, is it's a year old dog. It sounds like your other dogs are pretty well trained as well. And I Facebook stalked you a bit and I saw it. So I, I'm assuming you've got some pretty nice dogs. I think what needs to happen, and, and then her last message to me, I said, great looking dog you have there. Keep me posted. Let me know if I can help in any way. She said, absolutely. I train a lot in peace and wait in everyday life. I continue like this. It is a lovely dog and I have big goals for us. I'm fighting. Thanks for caring. So I do think there's some probably some... So as I translate, you know, as it translates or she had wrote it in English, it's probably not necessarily a word for word type thing. But when she says, I train a lot in peace and wait in life every day, I think that means she tries to be quiet, keep quiet and patient in everyday life. Perfect. Like, I think that's what you need. And so I'm going to, I think the point of this pod, the part of this episode is going to be make a point of slowing down with everything you do in training. And I don't just mean it from a standpoint of um, like the process, like the pace or the speed of what you're doing. I do mean it that way too. Like slow down there too. That's the best way to speed up is slow down there. What I mean is slow it down like in the moment. I did a training session with Makina today. We did a heel work. It's probably episode, I don't know, it's going to be like 13, 14 of the series, but we were doing heel work on lead. And I, I literally slowed down like my pace, my speed of walking to barely be moving. I didn't stop, but I was intentionally really, really slow. And it's almost always when the dog speeds up, I slow down. And so the hard part is figuring out how to do it outside of the training. It's easy to do in the training because you're thinking about training. What I need to challenge you to do is, and I think this will help, I think this will be good for you um, outside of training, but try slowing down 
with the other stuff you do around your dog. Might not be directly related to your dog. Slow down a little bit in next Saturday when you got to clean out the garage and you got to get something set for spring and you got to put your ice fishing stuff away and you got to whatever you got to do, like your list of to-dos. Look at your list of to-dos for this weekend and ask yourself, is it logical to fit it all into one day? And, and so prioritize it and cut a few things out that maybe aren't necessary and then take the same amount of time that you were going to do 10 things, take the same amount of time and do seven of them and see if that makes you feel better because you're not as rushed. You don't feel like you're behind as much. And then think about how that felt on, on Sunday. Think about what Saturday felt like taking that stuff off your plate. Did you feel better about the day or did you feel like you got to the end of the day and you were just completely exhausted and wiped out? Or did you feel like pissed off because you didn't get everything done? Instead, maybe even if you had seven things to do, you got done early. And then you just had some time to relax. No to-dos. Like, imagine that as your training. Slow it down. Take a few things off the list. I don't need to do, Makina's 15 weeks old. She is yet to see a bird. She's not been introduced to gunfire. She has made very few retrieves, very good ones, um, which you'll see in the series, hopefully here pretty quickly, you'll start seeing that. But she's starting to teeth now. I had her to the vet this week and she, she has one little tooth pushing up in front and inside her. So she's going to not be able to retrieve for probably a few weeks. Oh man, things are going so good with retrieving. But now she's teething, so we're not going to teeth anymore because I'm not going to run into her laying down and chewing up a dummy all of a sudden because her mouth is sore or not picking it up because her mouth is sore. So I'm just going to say, well, you know what? We'll check that off the list. We're not going to have to do that for a couple weeks. What else can we do? I'm going to really start working on heel work. So I'm going to take retrieving off the list and start working more on putting the dog on the lead a little bit more. And I don't know that I'll do more sessions, but I'll do just do them more consistently. Like I'm just not going to, when I used to take her out and free runner, I'll still do that. But one or two of those times more per week, maybe three or four times more per week, maybe once a day more, I'm going to put her on the lead instead. I did, she's, she's sleeping as nicely as she's slept in the last 72 hours probably right now. She's right behind me. She's as quiet as she's been for the last hour in the la as over the last three days. And we just did a, we just filmed a 26 minute video for her, for the Makina making the machine is what we're calling it, but the, or make the machine. It's a series on her training. We just did like a 26 or 28 minute video of heel work, real focused heel work in the, in the driveway. And she's late. She's never laid quieter. I've taken her for miles. I've taken her for runs where she ran miles. But that didn't necessarily tire her out that much. That high-paced, exciting, fast stuff didn't wear her out. It made her a better athlete. So back to the, where did, how did, you know, where's the, the connection to that with Yvonne is slow everything down always with the dog, not just in training, 
but in everything else you're doing, and then watch what the effects that has on the dog in general. And I think you'll start to see some improvement. And I think the other thing that you've got going for you is, she's, I don't know if it's a he or a she, but it's only a year old. You know, maturity, it's very much a puppy. So the maturity part will help you as well. But now there's no better time to start changing the potentially excitable amount. You, you know your dog has plenty of drive. So start like being extreme the opposite on the opposite end of the spectrum. Start slowing it down like to counter what it has as far as excitement, high drive, high energy. That's it, guys. Podcast episode in the books. Uh, do me a favor. If you enjoy these, if you get value out of these, uh, share them with a friend that you think might help. they might help with. Please leave us a review. Um, we've seen a spike in our little reviews on, on, uh, Apple, on Apple Pod stuff. If you're, I do, someone said something about Spotify, added something about that now, I think. Uh, I don't know what other platforms there are out there that you could be listening to, but if there's a spot for you to review it, uh, sometimes it's just a start, like a rating. Sometimes it's a rating and sometimes it's a rating with a comment. I'd love to, um, get your feedback on it. And I also think the value or the importance of that is it really is essential or you, it, it helps us. It's the most powerful tool we have to be able to expose ourselves, the, the podcast to other people that might be interested in it. So by having those reviews, it helps us help more people. So Please do that. We really appreciate it. Uh, follow follow us on our, our different platforms because the Makina series that I'm talking about, it's really something that we're doing a little bit different this time. Um, the actual series itself is being recorded a little bit different. The um, way we're going to kind of show it to you is a little bit different. It's going to be, I think, an improvement. That's what we're hoping for. But I also think that there's more than one way to consume the whole thing. And so YouTube is going to be one way. That's the, the, the documented series part. But between our Instagram slash Facebook, it's, they're, kind of, they're kind of piggybacked. Um, and then TikTok as well. We've, we've started putting a bit of an effort into trying to use that platform for what it's for or the way or the style that it's for. So between those platforms plus this podcast, um, there's going to be some real like, parts and pieces of really truly understanding and following along with um, what we're doing with Makina. And I'll be, I'll be the first person to say it might not all be good. It's probably not going to all be good. Uh, when I say good, I mean um, easy and effective, like probably going to be more, I think I'll have more experimenting, um, probably more failure, more uh, issues that come up that I'll have to like, kind of rack my brain, reach out to resources, tap. I would just, I just watched another training video this last weekend on, on training setters. So, um, and I got a lot out of this one and I'll probably do a podcast on it, but I got a lot out of this one. Um, very little of it. Do I think I'll train the way they did it in the video, but like the sequence of it and the way understanding the, the approach as far as pressure to a dog, I'm probably going to gain from, it was a video about a guy that uses this pole he uses this buddy stick he calls it and it's like it's not it's not my style probably um like literally from a mechanic standpoint but i do think there's a a lot to be learned 
from it um, as far as the approach to training these dogs, especially when it comes to steadying them up, and I'll get into that more as we get going. But it's going to take some experimenting on my end. Uh, the reason we're sharing it with you is because I do think in the end we'll probably have some real good stuff. Um, but I think part of the value in that is you understanding like we all learn, we're all learning in myself included, myself especially. So it, I hope it takes the pressure off of some of you that are hesitant to start something, do something, try something with your dog because you go, man, I don't know, I've never done that before. This is new to me. Well, same here. So let me show you my mistakes. That'll probably help. Let me show you my things that potentially would have paralyzed me in the past and they're not going to anymore because I just don't care. Um, there's a real sense of freedom when you let go of um, caring what other people think when it's negative. I shouldn't say that I don't care because I do um, care a lot. Pretty, I'm a very emotional guy when it comes to that kind of stuff. But I'm getting, I'm getting better and working hard at hearing criticism but not allowing it to affect me negatively. Uh, hearing criticism and using it to make me better, yes. And so some of that is just channeling and funneling energy in different places. But um, that's what that's a lot of what this series is, I think, going to offer um, for you guys and myself. So appreciate your support. Please uh, do me the favor and, and, and give us those um, that feedback, if you would. And uh, stick around because we'll be continuing to do more of these.